So Jess, why did you become a realtor? I worked in a various customer service jobs, so I wanted something a little bit more rewarding. Um, becoming a real estate agent, being able to help people find their forever homes or their investment homes, starter homes. It's very exciting, so a lot of fun. Now, you've gotten off to a really good start in your real estate career. What has been the most rewarding part of this for you so far? Helping people, especially like first-time home buyers, um, finding their first home. They're so excited. Um, I'm so excited to help them. So it's a nice, rewarding part. What is it that you think makes you different than other real estate agents? I think that my various roles in customer service has helped me. So I like to ask a lot of questions and I want to know what I'm doing. So I think that helps a lot because I'm not going to steer people the wrong way. I'm going to make sure they have knowledgeable decisions um, and help them find the right home. Last thing I'm going to ask you is, and I know these are words that you live by, but the mantra at CTVB Realty is? People over paychecks, do the damn thing. And that's what we do. The Giants are running New York like the times as Danny is dropping all sorts of dimes. Saquon's thighs are ruining defenses' lives and Leonard Williams making opposing QBs feel him. Receivers think it's scary to line up across James Bradbury and the Giants have a bright future led by coach, judge, jury, and executioner. Tune in to Drawing About the G-Men every Wednesday at 6, live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Which this ain't some clown show organization or something else. Jones has the first down, wide open it's Barkley, and Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone. Your best ability is availability. Saquon Barkley, he's great when he's on the field, but the problem is since 2018, he hasn't been healthy for this team. Look at this. They lob it to him. He taps it in off the glass. How about that? Porter Moser, I think right now, is the best coach in college basketball. Hands down. Finch, two for three. He's done his part. Pitch is drilled to deep right field toward the pole, and it is gone. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball, because the Yankees are not they're even close to the best organization in baseball. They're trying to be the Rays, and the Rays do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees. Welcome to Sports Talk with RNJ. I am Steve Rister, along with Justin Anafrio. And it is, it is the best weekend of the year, the best weekend of the year this weekend. It is the divisional round of the playoffs. We got the top eight teams in the NFL. Uh, uh, I mean, with the Bengals, the Titans, the Niners, the Packers, the Rams, the Rams, the Bucks, and the Bills and the Chiefs. But we'll start with the first game on Saturday, and that is the uh, Bengals and the Titans. I mean, the Bengals had a great performance, uh, had a really good performance last week. Joe Burrow played really well. Defense stepped up at the end. Uh, they've now earned a trip to Tennessee, a, t- a Tennessee, a Tennessee team that even though they've they didn't have Derrick Henry for half the season, they've had a really good year. Their defense is much improved. Uh, Ryan, Tan- I mean Ryan Tannehill's played played pretty well, and uh, and uh, AJ Brown's had a good year has has had a good year as well. So for the game on uh, Saturday Saturday afternoon in Tennessee, I think this is a close competitive game, uh, but. I, I do think the Titans are going to have success on the ground, even if they have if they have they might not have Derrick Henry, but I think him and De- Deontay Foreman are going to have success on the ground. 
I feel like that's going to open things up for uh, AJ AJ Brown and uh and Julio Jones. So I think we think the Titans move the ball. I do think Joe Burrow has a good game too, but I think the difference in this game is going to be. I think that the uh, Titans. I think the Titans defense is going to is going to do a better job containing containing Joe Burrow than the Bengals defense is Ryan Tannehill or Derrick Henry. I think that the I think that uh, the running game for the obviously for the, for the Titans is going to be better and. I think the coaching mismatch is, is 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 I think I think the coaching mismatch. I think that Mike Vrabel is obviously a better coach than Zach Taylor. Zach Taylor's done a decent job, but he's definitely made some questionable in-game decisions the last couple of weeks, even though his team has won. So I think this is going to be a really close competitive game. I think it's going to come down to the end. I think it's going to come, I think it's going to come down to the end with the ball in Joe Burrow's hands. But I'm going to take the Titans to advance to the AFC Championship game for the second time in four years. I'm going to take the Titans to advance to the AFC Championship game for the second time in four years. And beat the Bengals twenty-seven to twenty. But Justin, can Joe Burrow lead the Bengals to an upset win in Nashville? I think it's very possible. But I'm with you. It's twenty-seven to twenty-three. You know, um, Burrow played well last week, and um, you know their offense is rolling. You know, him and Jamar Chase are you know that chemistry just off the charts. The Titans got to be able to slow down that duo there. But you know, for the Bengals all year, they. They converted, you know, less than 40% on third down. The Titans were one of the best, only allowed opponents to, to uh, get a first down 36% of the time. That's, you know, that's a big thing. The Bengals, third and short, got to be, you know, Titans are pretty good stopping the run. But third and short, they got to be able to convert first downs. And then one of the other stats I saw about Mike Vrabel is when he's got eight-plus days to prepare for opponent, he's 8-0 straight up, 8-0 against the spread, and his team's scoring 29 points a game. They're only giving up 10 points a game. So, you know, Mike Vrabel, extra time repair. I bet he's got something cooking for Joe Burrow. Um, you know, I bet some disguised blitzes are going to have on, on Burrow. Try to, you know, try to make him throw, you know, make some mistakes. I expect him to have to make quick throws and quick decisions this game. Joe Burrow is going to have to. Um, but as long as the Titans can kind of keep that Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow um, kind of duo in check, the Titans should be able to win this game. I do have him moving on 27-23. Yeah, yeah, I think that's gonna be the big thing. If they can keep, how how are they gonna be able to? How are the Titans gonna be able to defend uh, uh, Jamar Chase? I feel like they're gonna double him. I feel like the Titans are gonna double Jamar, double Jamar Chase, and uh, force Joe Burrow to beat them with Tyler Boyd and T Higgins. I think that's the one thing you have to do if you're the Tennessee Titans: double Jamar Chase and 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 and, and, and yeah, force Higgins and Boyd to beat you. I feel like they're gonna be able to contain Henry on the ground just be, because. Uh, you know, they've been good against the run all year. And I think they're going to be able to get pressure on Burrow in this game and force a mistake or two. I think that's going to be key. I think really, because the Bengals' offensive line is shaky and the Titans get pressure on the quarterback with Harold Landry, with Jeffrey Simmons, with Danico Autry. I feel like they're going to be able to get pressure. As I said, my first point, I think the defense, the team, the, 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 I know the, the Bengals have the better quarterback, but I just feel like the Titans have the better overall team and the better coaching and the better defense. That's what I said earlier. That's, and I think the reason they advance is just because of the coach and because of their defense. That's why I think they advance next round yeah absolutely you know it's a definitely coaching matchup or you know mismatch here you know mike verbal's guy that two's won three super bowls as a player and zach taylor's done a nice job but you know i, I think this is as far as the Bengals are going to get under zach taylor i can't see him taking him much farther than he has this year and yeah you know the other thing about the Bengals defense is it seemed like at the end of that game or for most of it like their defense really got banged up there's you know what four or five players they had down you know entire that game's so I don't know how healthy that defense is going to be. I know Trey um, Hutchinson so questionable, you know. So I think or Tennessee could take advantage of that. They can really run the football with Henry, or and you're probably going to see some Dante Foreman as as well. He's another bruising back that's tough to bring down, you know. So 
yeah, you know, I think Tennessee is kind of going to be used as well as an advantage. Yeah, and, and the thing is, is uh, you brought up Trey Henderson. That's going to be big. He's questionable. He's in con- concussion protocol right now. That's going to be big. If he can't play in this game, because the Titans offensive line is a little bit shaky. But, so, but if he can't play in this game, that's good. That's going to be a big loss for the Bengals. We saw what Hendrickson did last week, getting that strip sack. Uh, that, that led to three points for the Bengals last week. So Hendrickson, that's definitely going to be big for the Bengals. If, if he can't play, that's going to be I think that's, that's going to be big for the Bengals. Yeah, absolutely. Because I know he hasn't racked up like a giant amount of like stats, but like he's been like a force, as you said, with the force fumble last week. Um, he's just kind of been, you know, just one of those pieces this year with that Bengals defense that's just helped really improve overall. So, yeah, you know, he's been a leader in that defense. So, yeah, absolutely. That's, that could be a huge loss because, you know, Ryan Tannehill struggles under pressure. And, again, you know, he's prone to throwing some interceptions at times. And, you know, having um, having Hendricks on the field there, again, could he could force, you know, Ryan Tannehill to throw a pick or two and could be a big difference in the game. Oh, absolutely. 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 So, yeah, it should, it should be, it should be a yeah, very interesting game between these two teams. I mean, I think a lot of us expected the Titans not not to be the number one seed, but to be here. But the Bengals, we really didn't expect them to be here. So it should be very interesting to see what happens in, in this game between these two teams. I, I'm I'm looking forward to it because I, I do think, you know, I do think the Bengals have a shot to pull an upset here, especially if Derrick Henry can't play. I just think I just I just but I just got to go with the team with the better roster and the better coach. Yeah, absolutely. I, I do too as well. I, I was definitely thinking about it. You know, I just about how bang the Bengals could be on defense. There's a lot of question marks right now. Yeah, you know, the Titans I think really needed that week off because they've used 91 guys all year. Like they've used so many guys that I, I think this was a good you know good week for them to have a bye here, kind of get healthy, get right. Yeah, you know, Julio Jones and AJ Brown are both healthy. Hopefully they have Derrick Henry healthy as well. So yeah, but the Titans that definitely do. Better roster, getting healthy, you know, playing a Bengals team that has – I don't think they've ever won a playoff road game either. So, you know, Bengals – and I know the playoffs have had their problems. So, yeah, I think the Titans do have an advantage here, um, and they do find a way at home to pull it out. It should be very, very interesting to see what happens uh, between these two teams. Should be should be very interesting. But we got to get to the nightcap on Saturday night, and that's between the 49ers and the Packers. Uh, the 49ers obviously got here with by uh, beating Dallas in Dallas on Sunday. But if they want to win this game in this round, they need Jimmy Garoppolo to play better. He cannot throw that interception he threw uh, in the fourth quarter, and he also can't miss Brandon Ayuk wide open. Those were two plays that gave Dallas a chance in that game. He's he, he has got to play better if the if the, if, the, if they're going to beat the Packers this week because you're not going to get away with that against the Packers and Aaron Rodgers and. Uh, and, and and there's and there's injuries. I mean, we got a comment from Riley. A lot of people think the 49ers have a legitimate chance to upset the Packers. I think a big reason for that is because of the history. And and, and the Packers aren't great against the run either. They're, they're they're not great against the run. So yes, they do have a chance. But the but the one thing the Niners have to do if they have they want any chance to beat the Packers, and I said this last week, even against the Cowboys, is they have to be able to run the football. If the Niners aren't able to run the football, they're not going to win this game. If they, if, I, honestly, if I don't if they don't run for over 100 yards. They will not win this game against the Packers. They need to have over 100 yards rushing to win this game against the Packers because they cannot put this game on Jimmy G. They need to run the ball, be able to keep that defense off the field, and 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 have that defense be fresh to go up against Aaron Rodgers. They have to be able to run the football just like they did two years ago in the in the in the in the uh, in the in the in the, in the NFC Championship game. I mean, they can't have Jimmy G throw the ball eight times because this Packers defense is better against the run, but still, got to be able to run the ball if they want to beat the Packers in Lambeau on Saturday night. Also, I feel like 
they're going to need they're they got they got some injuries on defense. I think Warner is going to play, but uh, but uh, uh I, I there's a, there's a there's a a chance that uh Nick Bosa might not play. He's in concussion protocol, so that's going to be really they they de- I think they're going to need Nick Bosa in a game like this because you do have David Bakhtiari who's a little bit rusty. Nick Bosa could definitely affect the game affect Aaron Rodgers in the passing game. If they don't have him. I feel like Aaron Rodgers is going to have a pretty easy time moving the ball. We got another comment from Pride. I think Jimmy G needs to throw 20 plus times in this game to add an, an element, add the element of, uh, of dimension. Yeah, I think they, I think they need to be balanced. They need to be balanced. They got to be able to run the ball. Jimmy G's got to play mistake free if, if they're going to win this game. But I do feel like they're going to be able to run the ball, but not enough. And I do feel like Jimmy G is going to turn the ball over a couple times. And I don't feel, I don't think Nick Bowles is going to play. That's why I think Aaron Rodgers has a good game, and that's why. I got the Packers winning it by two scores. I got the Packers beating the Niners 31 to 20. But Justin, can Green, San Francisco's run game and defense help them get another playoff win over the Packers? If everybody was healthy, I'd definitely take the Niners over the Packers. But because of that, I, I have the Packers 24 20. Um, coming from Hector, Niners beat the Packers the last three times they faced off in the playoffs last time in 2019. Yeah, as you mentioned, that 2019 NFC Championship game where, yeah, the Niners ran all over them. Um, they did not need Jimmy G to throw it all in that game. And I, I, you know, if they were healthy, the Niners, I knew Warner, Boza, and Jimmy G were all healthy. I, I probably picked the Niners because I, you know, the Packers, I just, I'm not really confident in them. But with all the question marks, I think that the Packers find a way to get it done in this game. And especially they, especially the Niners don't have Boza and Warner. I think, you know, Aaron Rodgers is going to have time to throw the ball, get the ball to Devontae Adams. Where the Niners have struggled at times in the secondary. Um, you know, I think the Niners, you know, could give up some big plays. But, like, you know, I think for the Niners in this game, if, you know, they got to keep Aaron Rodgers off the field. It's just, you know, they, they got to be able to, yeah, as you mentioned, they got to be able to run the football. They're going to have, you know, Elijah Mitchell, I know, you know, was limited in practice yesterday, but he should play. Like, they, they need to get that running game going. They need to win the time time of possession. They need to have like the ball for 35, you know, somewhere in the range of 35 to 40 minutes. Um, it, it just keep Aaron Rodgers off the field, keep that, you know, um, and just, you know, keep that defense fresh, you know, give Aaron Rodgers less possessions out there. That, that's going to be huge, you know? And yeah. And the other thing is Jimmy G is a guy that you met, he turns the football over. He had that bigger reception last week. Aaron Rodgers is a guy, he's only thrown two picks since week one. You know, against a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, I can't take Jimmy G to beat Aaron Rodgers right now um, with everything going on because Aaron Rodgers doesn't turn over the football. I think, yeah, Jimmy G probably makes a bad throw or two, costs his team, and I think Aaron Rodgers takes advantage of it. Um, they're going to have, you know, and then the last thing to the Niners, if they can run the football, they can use play action effectively. They can you know, get something going with Debo Samuel in the running game to bring that element of the game into it, you know, um, Right now, you can be a big play threat. Like, if they can run the football, open it up for play action, I think it's going to be, you know, easier for Jimmy G um, to be able to throw the football. But I, I do have the Packers find a way to get this win at home, 24-20. Yeah, and, and, talk, and, and to talk about Hector's point there, the Niners have beaten the Packers the last three times they faced in the playoffs. Yes, they have. And I, and, I, and I take stock out of the 2019 game, but the two games in 2012 and 2013, to me, those are irrelevant because that was, that was a totally different Niners team. The one in 2019, yes, I take stock in that game because uh, they uh, they were able to, you know, they were able to uh, they were able to be, to run the ball down their throats, and, and it was the same team. Jimmy G was the quarterback, Kyle Shanahan was the coach, a lot of the same players on defense. So yes, I take stock in that game. I don't take stock in those other two games. I just feel like that uh, 
that that uh, I, I, that, that that was just a different Niners team. And I think yeah, but but the last two matchups they've played, the Packers have won. The Packers destroyed them last year on Thursday night football, and then in the Sunday night game, which was a great game in Week Three, the Packers were able to win. And a big and a big reason why they, they, they were they were able to win that game was was how good Aaron Rodgers was. And and another reason why you know and another reason why they won the game is because the, because Aaron Rodgers was on the field a lot. I mean Jimmy G played well, but I feel like this Packers defense has guys back. They got Sedarius Smith, they got Jari Alexander back. And they got David – they'll probably have David Bautieri back for protection too, and the Niners won't have Nick Bosa. So it was a close game. I know the Niners historically have played the Packers well. I just feel like right now the Packers are clearly the better team going to the game. And 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 the Niners proved last last week that they're a good team. They're not as good as they were they, – they're not as good as they were two years two years ago. They, they're, they're just not. I mean, their defense is not as good – and Jimmy G, I don't think is, is I think Jimmy G is, is just not as good either. I mean, missing wide receivers, throwing a bad interception. I just feel like it's going to be a Packers win. I feel like it's going to be a Packers win by two scores because I think they're just clearly the better team. Yeah, I can definitely see that, especially if because it sounds like Jimmy, you know, that shoulder injury sounds like it's a pretty bad strain. So it sounds like he's going to start. But yeah, like if he's really not healthy, I could see the Packers win this thing by two scores, you know, especially yeah, if they don't have Bose or Warner. Yeah, you know, that. Uh, yeah, you know, it was a competitive game week three. And then, yeah, in 19, the blowout. You know, like the Niners do play them. Um, yeah, they, the Niners played them tough. You know, I think, week, you know, week three, the Packers, yeah, kind of were not healthy then, you know, already. And now that's yeah, a lot. It's a much different team now. Uh, 49ers by 50. All right, all right, Pride. Come on now. 49ers by 50. You should be – I hope he's joking about that. 49ers yeah, I by think 50. Come on, come on now. Come on, dude. Come on. Come I think on. He but is. you know, pride, pride, pride like the 49ers. I, I I you know, I I just I just wasn't impressed with the way the 49ers closed out that game. Mm. I think a championship team closes that game out a lot, a lot, a lot I know, I know you were joking, but yeah. you know, a championship team doesn't kick three field goals in the first half and they close out that game against the Cowboy team that committed 14 penalties and had a had a terrible, terrible Terrible, in a terrible play at the end of the game. I just think a championship team closes that game out. I just feel like with Jimmy Garoppolo as the quarterback, the Niners are good. They're not, but they're not championship level to where the Packers are. No, absolutely, yeah. Because the Niners should have won that game by three scores. There's no excuse. Yeah, they had some dumb penalties, turnover. You know, end the game. You know, they took the Niners covered. They were kind of letting Dallas kind of get down the field there, um, you know, till the end. But yeah, like I think, yeah, the Niners are a good team. But yeah, they don't have enough around to be a championship team like yeah you know they got in there with jimmy g the super bowl but it kind of seems like the last year he's kind of taken some step backwards i know he hasn't been totally healthy but yeah like it just seems like throws that he's making a few years ago he's not making now and it's kind of been a problem and yeah i think it could cost be costly this week to him um yeah packers are or i mean four nines are a good team packers are a great team yeah, pride, pride yeah. at the nail on the head. Not, yeah, not, Farmers yeah. are a good team. Packers are Packers are a great team. I mean, they're both top five teams in the NFC, but the Packers are just, I think, I think a level ahead of the Niners uh, the, right now. I just think they're a level ahead. Yeah, I think so too. You know, Niners are healthy. I I, I like them in this game. You know, because um, like as long as the Packers do not beat themselves, because again, the special day, you know, the special teams issues they've had all year. They they you know defensively they've kind of had their lapses this year, and they kind of concerns me but i think with everything going with the niners they should be able to steal this you know they should be able to get out of this one alive and heading the next week but yeah like i you know i do have some concerns about the packers but yeah right now i do think they are the better team than niners 
Again, Aaron Rodgers is a better quarterback than Jimmy G, and they should find a way to be able to do enough against this team, you know, against the Niners team that, again, like the last two years, it just seems like the Niners just have had to go through, you know, so much injury-wise and could come back to bite the Niners again that they're not completely healthy going this game. Justin, that's a great point. If it is possible that the Packers should – yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. The Packers yeah. just – yeah, the, the Packers don't, you know, make mistakes – they they won't lose this game and 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 I mean yeah and and then and the Niners can't make some of the mistakes they made last week if they make some of the mistakes they made last week I mean the penalty Trent Williams had at the end of the game the, the that that gave the Cowboys a chance the roughing the the roughing the the kicker yeah. uh, the, uh, the the interceptions I mean if the Niners uh, a play like they did in the second half they'll have no chance to win this game so uh, yeah if the Packers play their game they definitely should win yeah no absolutely they should you know they they. They they really should. As long as they don't make yeah, as long as they don't make the mistakes that they have on special teams, you know, defensively. Again, you saw the Bears game. The Bears special teams kept the Bears in that game, that Sunday night game a few weeks ago. You know, um, think they believe that like they, you know, Bears didn't do a ton offensively. And uh, Hector's comment: How do how long does Aaron Rodgers have left if he doesn't go or win the Super Bowl? It's been eleven years since the Packers won the Super Bowl. I mean, I think he has four or five. I think it's four or five good years left. I really do. I think it's I think it's four or five. Oh, good, good, good years left, and it really a reason that a big reason why that drought it, it, he has an eleven year drought is because he just hadn't. I mean, really, for most of those year, eleven years, guess who his head coach was? Mike McCarthy. Mm. I mean, come on. I mean, yeah, I, I, I think Aaron Rodgers is the top three quarterback to play the game. I just don't think he's he's he's, he's had the uh, he, he he had uh, Rodgers let no 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 no. I disagree with pride there. If you have Aaron like Rodgers him. on your team, you have a legitimate shot to win the Super Bowl. He goes to Pittsburgh next year. He goes to he goes to Denver next year. Those teams have legitimate shots to win the Super Bowl because Rodgers right now, in my opinion, is the best player in the league. I think I don't think it's about Rodgers for the Packers. I feel like it's about this Packers team executing. I, mean, I think it's about the rest of the team. Matt Lafleur making good in game decisions and this Packers team executing. That's what it's about. It's not about Rodgers. Rodgers is fine. Rodgers is is outstanding and he's been outstanding for years. It's about this Packers team and this coaching staff executing. Yeah, absolutely. It, it really has um, with all the other teams that are stepping up and playing great. No, I'm with you. Like, I, I think it depends where he falls. But as you mentioned, Denver's got a great defense. They have some great young offensive weapons, but they just haven't found that quarterback. You know, Pittsburgh, they still, you know, they got to fix that offensive line. But again, they still have all the talent in the world defensively. They have some good young weapons. They have a really good running back in Najee Harris. You know, like, yeah, like I think if Rodgers goes to those couple teams, again, they're fine, you know, like, They'll, they'll be right there, you know. That that Denver defense can keep them in a lot of games. Again, you know, they may not win the division with with Patrick Mahomes being in there, but they should win again. You know, they would get a wild card. He's lost the NFC Championship game the last okay, two I'll years. I'll explain so, why yeah, he's lost the NFC Championship game the last two years. Uh, last uh, The first year, that team could not stop the run. That's that's why he lost the game. That team got way far behind. They couldn't stop the run. I mean, they, they, I mean that's why he lost the game. He didn't have the better team uh, in, in year one. That, that that that's why he lost that game. And last year, the reason he lost that game is because Matt LaFleur took the ball out of his hands. He clearly took the ball. You gotta let Aaron Rodgers try to convert a fourth down. He took the ball out of his the coach took the ball out of his hands. So yeah, he's lost the last two NFC championship games, but I still think he is he has been on top of his game. And I think the problem has been has been uh, two years ago it was the defense and last year it was the head coach. So yeah, he, he but he has been on top of his game. I'm not concerned about Aaron Rodgers. I'm concerned about everything around Aaron Rodgers that could hurt the Packers, uh, to, that that could 
end up being what hurts the what what doesn't make the Packers win the Super Bowl. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's it's been part of the problem all year for him. Yeah, because it's like I trust Rodgers, Devontae Adams, but it's like the rest of the team. I know they've kind of gained more healthy defensively as well and on the offensive line, but it's like outside of those two, it's like nobody's really being great for the Packers this year. They yeah, they, they've kind of just games that they've lost, they've kind of you know, like that week one game, you know, again, I know it was week one, everything going on in the preseason, but they got to absolutely wax that game. You know, Rodgers is horrible. But then since then, it's like, you know, rest of the year, I think it was, what, 37 touchdowns and two two interceptions. Like, again, that that is impressive. He is definitely on the top of his game. And he is going to be the one that leads them. But, yeah, the, the thing about the Packers is the stuff that's – the Packers are not going to make – the Packers are not going to make the Super Bowl um, – because of everything else around him. Rodgers is not going to lose them a chance to go to the Super Bowl. He's going to take them there. It's, yeah, it's the, who you know, who else around him is going to be able to step up, make the big play, help him out because, yeah, it's kind of been, yeah, I'm with you. It's everything else around the Packers has not gone their way. You know, coaching, you know, again, the defense two years ago, you know, you can't really blame Rodgers for not being able to, for his defense not being able to stop the run. You can't really put that on him, so. Look, yeah, I, the Packers, Packers right now, they, they should win the NFC with everything going on with the Bucs. You know, the, the Rams look good, but we'll, we'll see, you know, going into this week in San Bay. Packers right now should should win this, um, should win the NFC. They should be going to the playoffs. But, yeah, as long, you know, problem is they've beaten themselves, you know, um, you know, you know coaching-wise, you know, the defense. So, yeah, it's pretty much I think the Packers kind of um, conference will lose here, but – Again, you know, we we've seen it happen the last few years of them kind of around Aaron Rodgers kind of fall apart. Yeah, we'll see what happens on Saturday. It should be interesting to see these longtime NFC rivals go at it. But we're gonna stay in the NFC and we got a batch up in Tampa Bay as the Rams travel to Tampa to face the Bucks Bucks. And I I picked the Bucks to win the Super Bowl before the season started. But I would not be surprised if the Rams won this game. I think the Bucs got some injury issues. Tristan Wirfs, uh, Ryan Jensen, that could be a major, major problem if they got to go up against that up uh, against that Rams defensive line with Von Miller, with Leonard Floyd, and obviously with the great Aaron Donald. So, I mean, that, that could be a real problem in, in that game. But the Rams do have Andrew Whitworth might not play either. So that could even things out. Uh, I think in this game, I think it's a I think it's a close competitive game. But I'm. But another another big key is going to be is can Leonard Fournette play? And if he can play, and I feel like he's going to play in this game, I think Leonard Fournette. Had, I think Aaron Donald will be suspended. I don't I, think I, they I, will. I saw that play. Um, it, yeah, he's I, he's going to play. I think Aaron Donald's going to play. Uh, yeah, I, I can't see Goodell suspending him now in the playoffs. I I can't see him doing that. No, 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 not at all, not at all. I th- I think this is going to I think this is going to be a, a a close competitive game. And, and listen, I think there's a very good chance the Rams could win this game. Great chance the Rams could win this game. That's why I think it's going to be really close. But I'm going to go with the Bucs, and there's a couple – and there's obviously uh, two reasons why I'm, I'm going to go with the Bucs. I think it's going to be the running game of the Buccaneers. I think they're going to run the football better than the Rams. And I think the second point is the obvious one. Tom Brady against Matthew Stafford in the postseason, and I can never take – Matthew Stafford to beat Tom Brady. I think the game is close and competitive till the end, and I think that ball's in Matthew Stafford's hands with the Rams having a chance to win the game. But either, but he either doesn't get it done or he turns the ball over, and that's why I got the Bucks heading to the NFC Championship game for the second year in a row, beating the Rams twenty-four to twenty. But Justin, can the Rams D get pressure 
on Brady and can Stafford play mistake free for the Rams to beat the Bucs for the third straight time? I think it's very possible, but I'm with you. I got to take the Bucks over the Rams just because of the factor of Tom Brady versus um, Matthew Stafford. Even though, like before the year, I I, I picked the Rams to beat the Bucks in the NFC Championship game, but more thing about it, I can't see Matthew Stafford knocking off Tom Brady at home, even with how banged up they are. Yeah, because I talking about the center position. If Jensen can't go, it's a rookie at Notre Dame, Robert Hansey, who's he's only he's only had five snaps in the NFL, and at that center spot he just he moved from center or he moved over from guard to center so he's not an experienced center first time going up you know playing with brady at that position dude you're gonna have to slow down aaron donald i could see that being a major problem if ryan jansen can't go in this game you know even worse too because yeah worse you saying good yeah you saw last week ryan kerrigan who's washed up destroyed destroyed the right tackle last week they, they brady got sacked four times last week the offensive line was an issue and worse was out for the buccaneers yeah, it was. You know, he struck. Yeah, you know, um, it, it really was, and that's gonna be a problem going up against the Rams, who have some really good pass rushers. So, you know, did a really good job last week of uh, of containing Kyler Murray. He really had no nowhere to go. So, yeah, like Von Miller's been good. You know, Len Floyd's been good. Obviously, they got Aaron Donald the inside. Um, like, yeah, if the Bucks are banged up on the offensive front, I, I really think it could be a problem, but. You know, if the Bucks are Hector's comments, oh, the Bucks yeah. are banged up on offense, no matter how good Tom Brady is, that Rams defense can exploit that and win the game. Yeah, here's the Absolutely. thing. The way the, the Rams the way the Rams could exploit that is if they stop the run they did the first time. If they stop the run, I feel like the Rams, if the Rams like hold the Bucks under like fifty like like seventy-five yards, I'd say fifty yards rushing, I think they're gonna win the game because they're gonna completely exploit that because we all know what gives Tom Brady Trump problems over the years. Pressure. Started with the Giants, started with the Ravens. Uh, teams that pressure Tom Brady Marcos. get what you say? What you say, Justin? But but yeah, and even the Rams, yeah, and and then the Saints since he's been with the Bucks, it's just the teams that get pressure Tom Brady uh, give him give him trouble. And if the Buccaneers can't run the football, I think they're they're going to have a lot of problems in this game because I do feel like the Rams are going to play man coverage. I, they should they should have Jalen Ramsey shadowing Mike Evans all game long. That's if they're making a huge mistake. If they don't have Jalen Ramsey shadowing Mike Evans in this game, so yeah, I, I think pressure. I think pre- if the Bucks are banged up on, on the offensive line, I think it could be a very it could be, and they don't run the ball. It could be a very tough day for Tom Brady. I could very easily see the Rams advancing onto the next round. Yeah, absolutely, and I think there's too like a lot of pressure on the Rams still, just because they have really packed their future here to go all in this year, and to not even get the NFC Championship game, I think it's going to really be a major kind of. Um, of a disappointing season for the Rams and I think for the fan base. So like, I think there's a lot of pressure on the Rams that they have to go out and get this game, you know, kind of for everything, all the moves that they made to kind of say, all right, we kind of got the NC champion, you know, obviously it's not the ultimate goal that we wanted, but you only win one playoff game out of all the future, you, you know, giving up all the draft picks, you know, going out and getting Bob Miller, you know, and all that. So I think there's a lot of pressure on the, on the Rams here, but yeah, like if they can stop the run, if they're not healthy, I, I could totally see the Rams coming in here win that game because you're right. It Brady struggles when when he's um when he's under pressure. You know, he's so good at feeling it out, but again, he can't move like most quarterbacks nowadays that we see and get out of the pocket and be able to make plays with his feet. He's not able to really do that. So yeah, you know, if the Rams can kind of disguise himself, try to get, you know, fuse them toward, you know, at the line of scrimmage there before plays, I think that you know the Rams have a really good shot. Um but yeah, then then with the Rams and Stafford, just you know. 
I know he didn't have it Monday night, Stafford, but like Stafford has that one bad play that just kind of derails the, you know, kind of derails their chances and kind of, you know, is a big um, part of the outcome in the game. So, yeah, he's got to stay away from that one bad turnover like he did on Monday night. You know, he played really well Monday night. We'll see if he can do it again Sunday. You know, especially against a, you know, like Odell's been a huge target for him. Like that, that's been a great pickup for him. Cooper Cup has been unbelievable, and the Bucks secondary isn't great. So, like, I could see Matthew Savard racking up a lot of yards and a couple of touchdowns. But yeah, can you stay away from the one big turnover? That that's kind of been the calling card for him all year. It's it, you know he he's just he's made that one bad mistake this year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and going off your and, and talking about and recapping your two points first with the Rams with with pressure. Yeah, there's a ton of pressure on the Rams because they've mortgaged every both these teams have went big. But I think there's a ton of pressure on the Rams because they've mortgaged so much to win a Super Bowl this year. They've more to, to play in that Super Bowl at SoFi Stadium. They've mortgaged so much, the, and there's definitely more pressure on them than the Bucks because the Bucks they got it done last year. They got they went out, they signed Tom Brady, and they ended up getting it done. So I definitely think there's more pressure on the Rams. And for and for Stafford, yeah, he can't make that one terrible terrible decision. And I think I, I don't have as much faith in him in this game to, to, that he's going to have a great game because. Of because of the fact that I don't think the Rams are going to be able to run the ball the way they did on Monday night against the Cardinals. The Buccaneers are a great run defense. They got Levante David back. Obviously, they got Vita Vea and Devin White in the middle. The Buccaneers have a great run, have a great run defense. So I do think that Stafford could make a very, it could make a very critical mistake that could cost the Rams in this game. So I think I think the Rams. I feel like they got to win this game because of their defense. Because I think the Rams are going to have some trouble running the football. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great point, AL. Yeah, because the Eagles couldn't do anything on Sunday, you saw, and that kind of forced, um, you know, Hurts and pressure made some bad mistakes. Uh, here's a comment from O'Reilly to, to Steven's point. Uh, Bucks already won a Super Bowl, so yeah, that pressure's gone. The so Rams yeah, the need, this Super need this because, yeah, it's a Super Yeah, I feel like for the Rams, yeah. they were the one team. I mean, the Cowboys play the game like it's Super Bowl or bust mentality, but realistic, because, but they're, but, but realistically, the Rams, is, they built this team. For it to be Super Bowl or bust mentality because yeah. of everything they've given up. Oh yeah, absolutely. They have. You know, they again. It, it's you know, they not really have any first round draft. It's so what? Like the two twenty two thousand twenty four, two thousand twenty five. They don't have like a first round pick too. Like yeah, they they've kind of gone all in here of trying to win a Super Bowl this year. Yeah, you know, forgot the point too that you made. Yeah, it's it's in there. It's in SoFi Stadium too. They would love to kind of go play play in their home stadium again for a uh, Super Bowl. Yeah, they they mortgaged so much this year. They you know, going out and getting Matthew Stafford in the offseason, as well as another one. They kind of go get rid of Jared Goff. Like there's a ton of pressure on Stafford. Like you're the kind of the guy that they wanted to. Like Jared Goff is able to get the scene to a Super Bowl. I know it's a different roster, but it's a lot of the same guys. Like you know, Goff was able to get him there. I know their defense was unbelievable, but you know, there, there's a lot of pressure on Stafford that have to kind of lead the scene to a Super Bowl. You know, like you know, he was good in Detroit, but you know, again, he, but you know, this year he's been good. He, yeah, it's like that one mistake. So I do think there's a lot of pressure on Stafford in this game, and if they win next week, to kind of get this team to the Super Bowl and even win it. You know, that's what he was brought in here to do, and he, he's got. You know, he's he's he, he's good enough to do it. It's just he's just got to stay away from the mistakes that have cost him in the, the his team um, games this year. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You can't you, obviously when you're facing a team like the the Buccaneers. I know they're all banged up, but they're still the defending champs. You can't make those big mistakes. I mean, it should be interesting to see what happens on Sunday when the Bucks and Rams 
play against each other, but we got to get to the late game on Sunday night. And that is a rematch of the AFC championship game between the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs. And I think this is going to be a fun game. I think these two teams are going to I don't think I, I, I don't think it's going to be like the first game where the, where the where the Bills blew them out. The Chiefs just weren't playing well at that point in the season. Uh, but I think this is going to be a fun game. I think it's going to be back and forth, up and down the field. Uh, I think both teams. I think I don't think the punters are going to are going to be busy in this game. I don't think there's going to be much punting. I think it's going to be a fun game to watch with Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, the two best young quarterbacks in football, going at it. I think, I think just like Riley said, this yeah. game could be a shootout. I think this game is definitely going to be a shootout and and go back and forth. But I think the difference in this game is going to be is going to be the defense. I think Buffalo's – which defense is going to make any kind of – any play? Which defense is going to make one play in this game? And I have more confidence that Buffalo's defense is going to create – to force is going to make a play more than, than I do Kansas City's defense. Buffalo clearly is a better defense. And that's, I think, why I think Buffalo is going to beat Kansas City this year is because I feel like their defense – last year their defense wasn't good enough to make a play. I feel like their defense was – Oh, decent last year. It wasn't great. Their defense has definitely improved this year. And I feel like they're going to make a play. They're going to force a turnover from Patrick Mahomes. And that's why I think they're going to win the game. I think it'll be up and down the field, but I do think Buffalo forced that one turnover in the, in that game to give the give Josh Allen a short field so he can so he can capitalize on that. I think the game is close, competitive till the end. I feel like I feel like it'll be close at the end with Josh Allen with the ball in his hands. I think he leads the Bills on a game winning drive. I got the Bills pulling the upset and heading to the AFC championship game for the second year in a row beating the Chiefs 34 to 31 but Justin can Patrick Mahomes get revenge from week 5 and lead the Chiefs back to the AFC Championship game for the fourth year in a row it's very very possible but I'm with you I got the Bills 31 28 you know I remember too remember last year Stephon Diggs too sat out there and watched the Chiefs celebrate too like I I do think too like the Bills come in with that chip on their shoulder of of you know revenge still from what happened last year but yeah I, I do think the Chiefs have a great shot it's at home you know, Mahomes has been unbelievable. You know, in the second half of the year, the Chiefs are always great at home. It's a tough place to play. Um, you know, the Chiefs in that AFC Championship game last year was the big plays, and as you mentioned, yeah, the Bills have been a lot better in that area all around defensively this year. You know, Tyreek Hill had 172 yards in that game and nine catches. Like, you know, they got to be able to slow him down this time around. You know, can the Chiefs run the football? You know, effectively enough in this game to kind of use some play action stuff. I think the Bills, you know, got to be able to contain um, Patrick Mahomes as well. And Hector's comment: Is it really an upset? If Buffalo wins. I believe they. Yeah, are, arguably, I don't think I, I don't think I don't think it might even be an upset. If, I, I think they're an underdog, but I don't know if we even really consider it an upset if Buffalo wins. Seeing what they did to them to Kansas City the first time, and seeing that really, I mean, they they clearly their offense. I know Kansas City's offense is better, but Buffalo's offense is close to as good. And then on the defensive side of the ball, I think Buffalo is a better team. So yeah, Hector's right there. I think we probably don't even consider it an upset. If I mean, I mean, yeah, they're an underdog, but I think it's hard to even consider it an upset if Buffalo wins. No, I'm with you. Yeah, I I think they're they're very two evenly matched teams. Like I, I think you could go across the board, and, and yeah, I, I think they both are really good teams. I think the point spread's like only a point and a half now or two, depending on you know where you look. So yeah, I wouldn't really even really call. Call it an upset. I think Bill Buffalo's got as much talent as Kansas City does offensively. I think the Bills, yeah, as you mentioned, are a little bit better defensively, and I trust them more to get that big stop. Yeah, no way. Uh, Riley's comment: No way, it's an upset. Bills are better defensively and offensively. It's close. Oh, they're, probably, yeah, they're better what, defensively. I still think offensively, the uh, the Chiefs yeah, are the better team offensively because they got the better they got the they got, they got the better quarterback. They got the better quarterback and the better offensive line. The Chiefs are a better team offensively, but the yes, yeah. the Bills are definitely a better team defensively. So. It's pretty even between the two teams, but the Chiefs definitely 
you guys think? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think yeah. the Bills. I think I think the Bills. Yeah, if the Bills could get a run game. That's definitely going to improve their chance of winning of winning this game. Absolutely. And the Bills' run game has been better recently. It hasn't been great, but it's been better. So yeah, if the Bills can can get a run game, that definitely increases their chance of winning this game. Yeah, absolutely. And then talking about their run game, even with Allen, like the Chiefs have given up the six most um, rushing yards allowed to a quarterback this year, and the most rushing touchdown to a quarterback this year. So like, even regard of just using Josh Allen as an RPO, I think could be a huge factor. You know, maybe they're more keyed on stopping Josh Allen in a read option or something like that. And David Singleton or Zach Moss can, you know, get a nice eight, nine year game because the end's kind of crashing and trying to stop Josh Allen. So I think that could be something that's very possible. That that maybe that's how they get Singletary or Moss going on the ground game and, you know, having some success and kind of opening things up because, yeah, Buffalo's offense, I feel like since the second half of that team of a game, they, they've been a juggernaut. They, they have really looked good, though. You know, what they did to New England last week, nobody does that to Bill Belichick. And that was the second time in a row that they didn't have to play against New England. I know it's not the vintage New England defense, but but still. And as you mentioned before the show we were talking, Bill has pretty much figured out every other quarterback besides Josh Allen. He can't figure him out. No, no, not, not at all. Not, 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 not at all. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, the way I mean, the Bills run game doesn't need to be the best. It just needs to be, yeah, exactly. It yeah. just needs to be respectable. And if it's respectable, I think they have a really, really good chance, obviously, to win this game. I mean, yeah, because, I mean, I mean, Kansas City doesn't have a great run game either. So, I mean, so if they could, if they could keep the, – if they could, you know, keep Kansas City off the field, get pressure on Patrick Mahomes, they have a very they, – they might even win this game by – they could win the game by – if they, they have a good running game, they can win the game by two scores again. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, because the Chiefs the last time had four turnovers in that game. You know, like, you know, it was a big difference. Like, Buffalo's been good at kind of forcing turnovers this year. Again, that play Micah Hyde made on Mac Jones in the first series there in the end zone. That, that was oh, a great interception. Unbelievable play there. Unbelievable play. Yeah. Like, again, like, Mac threw a perfect ball, and Hyde just made a great play. Like, I could see Micah Hyde doing something like that against Patrick Holmes, turning the tide. You know, who knows? You know, that's why he's one of the best safeties in the game. So, yeah, I could see something like that. A turnover, too, for Buffalo could be huge. I feel it's going to come down to which quarterback can work under pressure of the opposing defense. Yeah, if, yeah, you know, yeah, um, exactly. Comment, exactly. Yeah. Both, I think both quarterbacks can be under some kind of pressure. And I, I, I but I, I mean, I think Allen might be under more pressure because uh, because the, the Bills offensive line isn't as good. But I just don't think it matters because of how good, how mobile Allen is and how and how good he how good he is under pressure. He's really good under pressure. I mean, they Bills don't have a great offensive line, but the guy, the guy's just really good. He's really mobile. He's got a great arm. I just think how good he is under pressure. I think, I, I don't think it's gonna. I think, I think it could matter, but I don't think it's gonna matter that much. I think, I think that it's. I think Allen might be under pressure, but I just think he's gonna be able to make plays under pressure. And I, and obviously Mahomes might be under some pressure, but the Chiefs' offensive line is a little bit better. So we'll we'll see. I mean, it it, it could come down to that, but I just think it's obviously in the, at the end of the day, I think it's just gonna be a. Really fun game to watch. I think it's going to go back and forth and go either way. But, but I just think the Bills win it just because their defense is the defense I trust more to make some sort of a play to give Allen a short field. Yeah, absolutely. I do. I do too. You know, Buffalo's defense has been good. I think it's been better the last few weeks. Thought they were pretty good last week. It's like, yeah, the Chiefs' defense has gotten better throughout the year. It really has. But yeah, I'm still at the point of, you know, can they make that big stop in the game? And I, I just I don't I don't know if I'm there right now still either. And then the way Josh Allen's playing this offense, I, I see Buffalo making a you know I can see I see Buffalo's defense making that big play that big stop when they need it more than so right now than Kansas City. So I'm with you there. I think it's going to be 
a, a big, you know, that's definitely going to be a huge key to the game and definitely could determine who wins this game. Absolutely, absolutely. Should, should be a great game between these two teams. Should be a really fun game between the uh, Bills and the Chiefs. But we got to talk about some more other, some other NFL news. And uh, this week uh, in Dallas, Jerry Jones canceled his hit on uh, 105.3 The Fan, his weekly hit on Tuesdays on 105.3 The Fan. But we heard later that day that Stephen Jones is very confident that the Cowboys are going to bring Mike McCarthy back as their head coach. Uh, and uh, it, the Cowboys are kind of in no man's land. It's hard to fire a head coach after he wins, goes 12-5. and five, But I feel like that 12-5 and five record was – the Cowboys were not as good as their record this year. Six of those wins came against the NFC East, which was which was not a good division. Again, I mean, it was improved from last year, but they couldn't have been. It could, it could, all you could go up with the NFC East. All you can all you can all you can do is get go up from last year with the NFC East. And yeah, when two of those wins are to the Giants, when four of those wins are to the Giants and the Washington Football Team, and even the Eagles, uh, those are that's six of those wins. I mean, a, a lot of these a lot of these wins were not against good. I mean, really, really the only considerably good team they beat was the Patriots, but the Patriots weren't playing well at, they got the Patriots at the right time. So I, I, I think that the Cowboys are in no man's land. I don't feel like they're, they're going to win a Super Bowl with Mike McCarthy, but when you're 12 and five, can you really fire a head coach? So I feel like the Cowboys are kind of in, in, in no man's land, but we saw all the issues with clock management early in the season. Question. Doesn't Kellen Moore deserve more blame than he's getting? Yes, I do think Kellen Moore deserves probably- more blame. Yeah, he called. He called I think it really the last good. few weeks. He didn't call a really good game the last few weeks. Yeah, and I, and I and I think the thing is with Kellen Moore is with the talent on the Cowboys' offense. The Cowboys' offense was very very inconsistent. So yes, I do think Kellen Moore is, deserves a little bit more blame there. But also Mike McCarthy, you deserves blame. I mean, the, the clock management was absolutely horrendous this year. You, it didn't come back to bite him in week two or week three. It didn't come back to bite him against the Giants in week fifteen. But it came back to bite him against the Cardinals and then the the the, the obvious quarterback draw with 14 seconds to go. That was an absolutely terrible play call to take the ball to Dak's hands. That was inexcusable. Another, I, I mean, Mike McCarthy, I, I think he survives this, but next year his seat better be hot. Absolutely. And actually, I don't know you, I saw this right before we went on air. I, Troy Aikman actually ripped the Cowboys game plan. He said um, he was not, you know, he said he doesn't understand why like CD Lamo had one target and then kind of said the game is not that difficult. So like he, even the, even the cowboy legend there, Troy Aikman, not happy with what's going on. So yeah, no, it, it, again, like you know, going Riley's point, I just didn't think Kelmore the last couple of weeks had a really good offensive game plan with all the weapons they had. Again, like yeah, only targeting CD Lamb once in a game. I, I think he's he could be a top of line wide receiver. You know, if he can get rid of the drops, but yeah, like the clock management issues, it, it was a problem all year, and. That deserves that some of that blame there at the end of the game, too. He's got to realize, because you run the two-minute drill every day in practice. You have to realize, okay, I got to slide at this point. Like, I, I know in this amount of time I can get to this yards. You know, I could get 10, 15 yards on the field. You, you got to be able to have that going in your head. Now, that is also a point, too, that, you know, McCarthy or Moore has got to kind of tell him, too, like, no timeouts, you know, get down, you know, have enough time to get down and take a knee. Or, I mean, or spike it. Um, you know, that, that's a, you know, point two, but uh, yeah. And McCarthy just, it's, it, it's a talented team, but you know, another thing too, is if Kellen Moore and, and, uh, Dan Quinn both get like a, you know, probably more specifically Dan Quinn than Kellen Moore, but like, what happens if he loses two, his two coordinators, like Dan Quinn in that defense this year, like is another defensive coordinator going to get what Dan Quinn got this defense this year? Cause that was a remarkable turnaround, you know? 
Um, I thought Kellen was good most of the year calling, calling plays, but, like, the last couple weeks I wasn't a big fan of him. But, like, you know, what happens if he loses two coordinators, especially Dan Quinn, you know, and that defense kind of takes a step back and, and they go to, you know, 10 and seven, maybe next year, you know, nine and eight, who knows. But yeah, you know, I, I think McCarthy should definitely be on the hot seat. I think this team has too much talent and a division like the NFC East, they should win it, but, but yeah, they should be able to steal some games. You know, like they should have beat the Raiders. They should have beat the Cardinals. You know, that, that absolutely atrocious effort against Denver. It was unexcusable that, you know, so yeah, you know, Mike McCarthy should definitely be on the hot seat. Again, you now, uh, obviously, I did not think Jerry Jones was going to fire him, but for the end of the game and all the kind of mistakes they've had the last two years, and you know, I wouldn't have been shocked if he was if he was fired because, you know, even last year I thought that team was better than the. You know, I, I know Dak was hurt, but in a bad division like it was, but um, yeah, I, McCarthy deserves a lot of blame of what's kind of gone on. Um, you know, this year and it, even last year, you know, it, it, you know, I've said it a couple of times, but it makes sense why he's only won one Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers. He's, he's not a good, he's not a good game coach. No, not, not at all. And, and, and yeah, the clock management really obviously came back to hurt this team. But I just feel like, you know, Jerry Jones is not going to fire a coach after he wins 12 games. I and mean, he's stuck with Jason Garrett for, for, uh, he's just stuck, he's stuck with Jason Garrett for uh, eight and a half years. So I just don't feel like he's gonna he's gonna stick with uh yeah, he's gonna stick with Mike McCarthy next year. Uh he, he's gonna be on the hot seat. And I feel like he has to get the Cowboys at least a playoff win and probably the NFC championship game if he's gonna keep his job. Yeah, absolutely. You know, because I, I gotta think this team's only gonna get better at the in the offseason. You know, with draft, you know, draft wise and who knows what they do in free agency. Like this shooting just come back better. Again, like in the NFC East. I, you know, like the Eagles, we saw what the Eagles are. They were down 31 nothing into Bucks. They didn't really beat anybody. Like, this is the pack, or this is the Cowboys division to lose again. Like, the, the Cowboys should be able to win this game by the division by at least three games again. Um, Jerry Jones, <laughs> yeah, Jerry Jones, the sleep in his house. Yeah, yeah, I, I feel like Jerry is going to give McCarthy that third year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. crazy how desperate Jerry Jones wanted Mike McCarthy. I think the only reason Jerry Jones wanted Mike McCarthy so bad is he saw him win the Super Bowl in his stadium. So, I mean, I, I, I don't – they only hired two coach. They, they only hired uh, – they only gave two coaches an interview, him and Marvin Lewis. So, and I think yeah, part of the problem – yeah, it's Mike McCarthy is a problem, but part of the problem, it goes back to Jerry Jones, though. How many, and, and it's been a problem since 1995. Talent isn't the issue. I feel like this team has one of the better not, – not the best roster, one of the better rosters in the league usually every year. But the problem with the Cowboys is the coaching. The coaching. They either have retreads or puppets, like – Wade Phillips and Mike McCarthy were retreads, and they had a puppet with Jason Garrett. And 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 the number one problem is Jerry Jones. Coaches with choices, coaches that are good, don't want to coach with Jerry Jones, and that's probably why if the Cowboys have another have like a nine and eight next year, I feel like he they need to hire a general manager because the problem is is with Jerry being Jerry having so much control, I feel like the good coaches don't want to coach with him. No, absolutely, and I don't blame them. You know, yeah, you, you know. It's not like baseball, you know, where these coaches and managers want to be controlled by, you know, their GM and front offices, like, you know, in football, it's not really at that point yet. So, yeah, I don't blame, you know, coaches, you know, the the ones up in the upper tier for not going to Dallas. It's, yeah, it's been the problem with Jerry Jones being the GM. They've, they, they do have usually a very talented roster and it's, yeah, it's been the coaching. It's just been the execution, especially in the playoffs. Like they just cannot figure out a way 
to get it done with all with the talent they have, especially this year offensively. Again, this high should have been a team that won like 14 games, 15 games. This team should have should have probably been the one seed. And you know, again, maybe being able to get over that hump and get to the NFC Championship game. It, it yeah, it's been the problem. And again, I you know, I don't see Jerry Jones passing on that GM thing, but as we talk. You probably got to think, you know, even if Jerry Jones does end up getting, you know, or retiring or whatever, you know, you know, ends up passing away to due to something, you know, it probably the GM probably goes to stunt Steven. That that's what I'm guessing is going to happen anyways. Like it's just going to go from one Jones to the other. Yeah, you know, unless it's, you know, that's what I'm imagining would happen with the Cowboys. That's probably what Jerry wants, but. And maybe there maybe Steven's got to change a heart, hopefully, and goes out against a regular GM. But I like I don't see it changing anytime soon. I just don't. I just see the Cowboys being the same Cowboys for the next decade, 15 years, and so on until you know they 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 let somebody else run this team or you know just be the GM at least and be able to kind of put a roster together and leave the coach alone and let the coach do you know you know focus more on the game plan and all that and let him make decisions on his own, not like the Joneses. But the problem with yeah, and the thing is, it's been this way since the '90s, since since the mid '90s with the Cowboys. They've been doing the same things over and over again, and expecting different results, and they haven't gotten different results. Now they haven't been a joke because they've been able to put a talented team on the field. The biggest problem for the Cowboys, and been a problem for over a quarter century, is they cannot get over the hump. They cannot. They they've never been a great team since they won the Super Bowl in 1995. They cannot get over the hump, and I think, and obviously, the biggest reason is is when they get into these big games, they go up against. Uh, a better rosters, be better quarterbacks, and seem, and most importantly, and, and what's been the biggest issue is better coaches. They go up against all this in these big games, and the problem is the Cowboys' upper management says, "Yeah, oh, we're winning games, we're winning games, we're competitive every year." Yeah, but the problem is, is you're not getting to the next step, and you haven't gotten to the next step. Not only have you not been to a Super Bowl, you haven't been to an, you haven't even been to an NFC Championship game. So the reason they're not getting to the next step is, uh, they they just want the owner of the front office just wants to do things the same way. And do, and do this, they, they want to do the same way, and they're expecting different results, and that's just not been happening. No, it's and it, it hasn't. You got to think it gets, you know, and I, you know, Jerry's probably a stubborn guy, but like, and it, it's like, yeah, the Cowboys spend again, I not totally sure, but like, we can, we can, you know, the Cowboys always are up there in payroll, like, you know, for a team, they're probably top five, top three, top, top of the team every year in payroll spent for their team, too. You know, so yeah, it's like it's something that like at one point or another, they you know, I don't. They, if Jerry hasn't figured out now that he's the issue, he never will. And I, and that's a problem because it's like they always spend, spend, spend. They always have a good roster that's going to compete, but yeah, as you mentioned, they just never have. You know, look, Dak's not a top five quarterback, but he's good enough with the with this roster to get to the Super Bowl. Tony Romo wasn't a top five, top ten quarterback, but he was good enough with the roster. You know, if they had a good coach, you know, somebody other than Garrett, he would have been good enough to get that team to the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's been the problem. It's the coaching. It's they have the roster. I think they have a, they've had a good enough quarterback. Yeah, they haven't had like the Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady in a while. But I think they're they've had good enough quarterbacks to be able to get them over the hump. It's been the coaching reason, the coaching that has set them back so many years. Exactly. 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 So we'll stay in the NFC East, and today, and we got another, we got another cowboy. You got to remember, cowboy fans are casual, so they always think that they are legit. Jerry hears that, and it makes you, yeah, and that's another issue. They, 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 they the cowboy fans 
constantly defend. So there's some Cowboy fans, especially down in Dallas, that defend Jerry Jones, and that's and that's and that's and they're they're good enough being competitive. They, they, they just care about being competitive, and that's and, and when Jerry Jones says I'll do anything to win a Super Bowl, no, you you're not doing anything to win a Super Bowl because you haven't stepped down as GM when your team hasn't been to an NFC Championship game in over a quarter century. So you're not doing everything to win a Super Bowl. And Cowboy fans, the fans don't hold them accountable for it, and they they think that oh the Cowboys are doing the right thing. It's not our organization's fault. It's the refs' fault why we're not winning. But then that's what they're wrong about. It's it's the way you're structured is the reason you're not getting as far. You're not getting deep in the playoffs. So that's the problem. Yeah, it, it, it probably just hit the nail on the head. Cowboy fans just don't hold Jerry accountable enough. Yeah, absolutely. It, you know, it seems like up here they do. For whatever reason, down in Dallas, they don't. Because it seems like yeah, yeah, that's the here, thing. most of them, yeah. Yeah, it's like most of my Cowboy you know, friends I know, like they don't like Jerry. Like they want Jerry to be gone. They want him to step down. But yeah, it would be good to hear from a true Cowboys fan and not not, not – yeah, that's a good one. We got a couple here on CMG. We got Jared and we got Sander, who are true yeah. Cowboy fans and not obnoxious ones. They're realistic. They were buying into the fact what I was saying, you know, you know, to, to the last couple of weeks of the season where they were good enough to win the division, maybe win a playoff game. But outside of that, they probably weren't going to go far. So, yeah, it, that's the thing. It's it, And the problem is it's probably the fans down in Dallas that worship the team and don't want to criticize the team and never think it's the team's fault. But the problem is, is the reason they're not advancing is – What's happening up? To, well, the reason I'm advancing is because of the front office. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's a problem. It's just yeah, you know. Again, that probably just you know. Again, he probably hears all that noise down there in Dallas and just you know is okay. You know, they're all right. They're they, you know they're on my side here. We got them against the reps. Yeah, like it. You know, he hears all that. He definitely hears all that, and he's okay with it. And he's hoping one year that they finally just get over the hump and. You know, he finally gets there. But, yeah, as you mentioned, I just – I don't see that happening. And get, you got to think at some point Dallas fans down in Dallas kind of figure that out and get upset about that they haven't gotten there. But surprisingly, I know, like, the – north, you know, especially – but especially I know in, like, the northeast, like, our pro – like, we take – like, I know, like, we're so much more uptight about our, our teams. You know, more like I know, like, out west is a different mentality, but – Still, like at, at some point, you think maybe Dallas kind of figures it out, and Jerry Jones kind of figures it out. Like, you know, maybe I am the problem here. And you make a good point. You look at your team know. with the Patriots; they're 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 really upset with Bill Belichick right now. They're, they they want oh, yeah. Tom. They 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 feel like if we still had Tom Brady, and that's that's the truth, we'd be Super Bowl contenders. They're they're not willing. They're if Bill Belichick, if, if the Patriots continue to do what they're doing, they're, they're those fans are going to run Belichick out. Of, I, I, this might sound crazy. They're going to run Belichick out of New England because those, those these Patriot fans they expect to be on top, be on top, and they're they're probably there are probably a lot of Patriot fans that are upset about uh, not st- not having uh, having Tom Brady in Tampa. They would still want him on their team. And then you look at the Eagle fans. They they were willing to run Doug Peterson and Howie Roseman out after they won a Super Bowl, you know, three or four years ago. So yeah, in the Northeast, it's definitely more intense. And and that's the thing about fans in Dallas. They they just they seem to accept the fact that the Cowboys are just competitive and not not on a championship level. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is. It's a, it is crazy. It's a, such a different mentality because, uh, yeah, you know, again, like I think talking about the Patriots, yeah, people are not happy with Bill and then kind of letting Brady go. Now, nobody's really blaming Mac. You know, I think a lot of people around here do like Mac and a lot of Patriots fans do like him and they kind of see the potential. But yeah, like, again, he's, he's not Tom Brady. I you know he probably never will be Tom Brady and you see what he's doing. Yeah, like it makes a lot of Patriot fans upset. But yeah, it's crazy down Dallas because it's, you know, you, you kind of follow Texas Longhorn sports, and it's like they, 
again, they want to want Chris Beard fired. And he's been here. So it's only been two months of him coaching. Like it, it, they want Steve Sarkeesian fired. Like there must not be a lot of Texas fans that are Dallas fans because if, if that was the case, I think they, they'd be been calling for Jerry's head 20 about for 20 years. And it doesn't seem like it's happening. So for whatever reason, it's the Texas sports are uptight about, but uh, you know, not, not the, not the Cowboys. So yeah, you know, until, until fans get up really upset with Jerry, you know, maybe he starts to feel the pressure, but who knows? It's really sad when a team like Jacksonville can get to change game for Dallas or yeah. It, during their yeah, exactly. Out the yeah, yeah. Jacksonville's got three is- conference championship games before Dallas has gone to one 90, 96, 99, and then 2017. The Jaguars have gone to three NFC title games before the Cowboys have gone to one. And I saw the Cowboys like playoff record. They're three and 11 since like in the last, like they've won like, they've won like three of their last 14 playoff games. I've seen their playoff record. It's right down at the bottom. It's right down at the bottom of the league. Oof. That, that's wow. That's, that's horrible for a team that's got as much talent as they do year in, year out for all the resources they have. Again, that's unacceptable. And I, I just, I can't believe like the fans put up with that down there. I, I really can't, you know, I know, you know, it's kind of the mis- uh, excuse maker down there, but that is insane. During 11 for a team that has all the talent in the world that, they should be able to get there. They should be able to get to the Super Bowl. They have the talent. They Dak Prescott's good enough to get them to the Super Bowl. I just I don't know. I, I you know I, I just don't like it, look. If it hasn't changed in 25, 26 years, I just don't know when it's going to actually change that. It just you know I just I can't see it changing anytime soon. I just can't. Nope, nope. I just feel like Jerry's just going to continue to be the GM. They're going to continue to do the same thing and expect different results, and probably and probably not get different results. So, so. Uh, but we'll move on in the NFCs. We'll talk about the Eagles now. And uh, Jalen Hurts, Tyler Roseman said today, Jalen Hurts is going to be back as the starting quarterback for the 2022 season. I think it's a good move. I just don't think there's anyone else. You re- you still you still don't have to pay Hurts. You see, still on you know the third year of his rookie deal. You don't have to pay him and. Uh, I, I feel I feel like uh, I feel like there's really not a quarterback coming out of this class that's 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 better than him. I, I I'm more concerned about if I'm the Eagles, I'm more concerned about Nick Sirianni than I am about Jalen Hurts. I feel like yeah, Jalen Hurts has issues with accuracy and decision making, but I'm concerned. I'm, I'm a little bit more concerned about Nick Sirianni. I think Doug Peterson was clearly a better coach than him. I feel like I think I, feel, I think Doug and Hurts would work better than Sirianni and Hurts. I feel like Sirianni. Some of these slow starts and it, and it finally caught up to him in the playoff game. Some of the terrible starts they got off to they got off to in games, even during the winning. Streak, Streak, the bad starts against Washington, the bad start against the Giants, ended up catching up to him, catching up to him against a good team. I think Sirianni did a decent job this year, but I'd be more concerned with him going forward than I would be with Jalen Hurts. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I would too. Um, it's like, yeah, like I think Jalen Hurts is good enough, especially in this division right now, to get them to a wild card every, you know, wild card game every year, get them to the playoffs. And they have three first round draft picks this year, so we'll see what they do with them. But, yeah, like I thought, you know, Jalen Kurtz is a competitor. I think, you know, for Jalen, too, I think it's going to really help is you got to, we got to remember, too, this is, this was, this year was like the fourth straight, you know, fourth year in a row that he's in a new offensive system. You think about Alabama the final year he was there, then he transfers to Oklahoma, then his first year in Philly with, you know, Doug Peterson, that staff, and now with a new one in Nick Sirianni. So it's like he's finally going to get some stability, too, which I think is going to help him because. That's got to be a lot. Learning four different playbooks in four years. Again, that's a lot of kind of information, plays that you're getting through. You know, so like I, I think, it, you know, Jalen Howard is only getting better. I like him. He's a competitor. Um, 
you know, I have a lot of respect for him, but for, you know, kind of what happened there at the end of Alabama there and being able to come back, leading us to a, a national championship. So, um, you know, I, I do think it's a good move for the Eagles to keep him around. You know, hopefully they can kind of upgrade themselves around him with that offensive line a little bit more. Maybe get him another actual, you know, wide receiver one that doesn't turn into a bust. You know, Devontae Smith looked good this year. But, yeah, I, I think it was a good move for the Eagles. And, yeah, Sirianni. They beat all the bad teams, but he's not being anybody that they shouldn't yet. And yeah, the, as you mentioned, the slow starts were again. Usually, that's you know, you know, usually the good coaches kind of figure out a good game plan early on. And like Kyle Shannon, it seems like San Francisco is up seven nothing every game because he scripts out a great offensive. You know, that, those, those drives in the first, his first drives of the game are scripted out, and they're usually beautiful. And the Niners usually go punching in. I don't really see that with Nick Sirianni this year. No, no, I just think there's just bad, bad starts to games. It's just it just seems like the Eagles are always flat, you know, starting games. I mean, luckily at the end of the year they got to play, you know, Washington twice with one of them with Garrett Gilbert, and but and then they play and then they played the Giants with you know Jacob Fromm. Nice. I mean, those are such easy. I mean, one time the first time they played with Daniel Jones, but oh, yeah. yeah, and it's just when you when you when you when you have those kind of games, those are like automatic wins. I mean. It's not coaching. It's not the reason why you're winning the game. It's just the fact that the two teams you're playing are completely inept at the quarterback position. So, yeah, I, I think Nick Sirianni did a decent job, but I am definitely not sold on him going forward. I think Joe Hurts has more of a chance to be the franchise quarterback than he has a chance than he has a chance to be the coach of the future in Philadelphia. Yeah, absolutely. Especially Philly, as we mentioned, they, you know that's a tough city. You know, if you're not winning there, especially now, like again, you you got to the playoffs this year. I know you, you know, the, you kind of took advantage of an easy schedule, especially towards the end of the year. But like now, Eagle fans are going to expect this team to win, you know, to improve and, and win, you know, like 10, 11 games next year. Again, if they take a step backwards, yeah, he's definitely going to be in the hot seat going to year three. I don't think he'd get fired after next year, but definitely going to year three, there's going to be, there will be a lot of pressure on if they don't take that next step forward, especially who knows what's going to happen in the NFCs besides they, you know, um, you know, behind Dallas, you know, they should probably finish second right now. Again, once again, and they should be competing again for a wild card again next year. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think Sirianni could, you know, is the one more in trouble right now than um, Jalen Hurts. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. So before we wrap up, we'll talk about uh, the Raiders and they have fired GM Mike Mayock and uh, the and uh, and this move. I feel like it's not a good move for Rich Passaccia. I feel like you know I think they're getting rid of all the people that were there with Gruden. I think Mayock was there with Gruden. They're going to get rid of him. I don't think they're going to hire Passaccia. And I think unfortunately this could really hurt Derek Carr's future with the team. I think they're going to go through a rebuild. And I think that, that I mean, but but I do think Mike Mayock did not built the greatest roster around Derek Carr. I mean, some of those first-round picks were absolutely terrible. Damon Arnett, uh, 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 Cleveland Furrow. We don't even need to get into Henry Ruggs. I mean, just some of the first-round picks were just either either, either poor character or they, just, or they just were not good players. I think bad first-round picks. I think where, where they were lucky was is they were – why Mayock's record wasn't terrible as a GM was because they had a good quarterback. The good the, – yeah. Derek Carr covered up a lot of things in Oakland. That, I mean, I mean, with the Raiders that were or in Vegas that were just not good. I mean, Derek Carr covered up a lot. I think Derek Carr is a very underrated quarterback. And let me tell you, you put him on a Browns or a Steelers next year, that's a playoff team. So I don't. I think this hurts the future for for uh, for definitely hurts the future for Rich Bisaccia. I think, and I do think it hurts the future for Derek Carr with one year left on his deal. And the Raiders don't own dead money. They may just move on with the, with the new GM and head coach. May just they, they may just just realize, you know what? Our roster, even though we got to the playoffs, we're not good enough to compete for a championship. 
we're just going to start over. And I think the Raiders could potentially, I mean, it wouldn't be a good move, but I think potentially might trade Derek Carr. Yeah, that's like stink because I, I do like watching Derek Carr Las Vegas, you know, in, in Oakland and growing up as a Raider fan. Yeah, and be able to go through all the downfalls this year, <clears throat> the very thing that happened, and still being able to lead in a playoff. Like, yeah, I, I and he's been over very underrated because he does, he has played in Oakland and Las Vegas in his career. Um, yeah, disrespected too is another good one. He he has again. I mentioned this. He should have won the um. Yeah, he on his way to win that MVP 2016. If he didn't break his ankle or, or leg, whatever it was he had a very good shot to win the MVP that season. He was great. Um, you know, it, it'd be unfortunate to see him leave Vegas, especially with teams, especially with a team that um or teams that again, it's not a great QB draft here that are looking for a quarterback. It's very possible that their car could be shipped out. Fortunately, that that I would sink, and I, you know, I'm missing Carr in playing in Vegas. Um, the one thing about Mac is my brother was telling me this that it was Gruden that was in charge of the first round picks, and Mac would make round two through seven. And and if that's the case, he's found a lot of gem. He found a lot of gems in that area. Again, like Max Crosby, what was he fourth fifth rounder? He's turned into a, a force, um, you know, in, in his career you know, so far in his young career, like if that's the case, then, you know, cause I know he, they, you know, Gruden brought him in here pretty much just to draft because, uh, you know, Gruden's track record has been awful drafting throughout his career. So if that's the case, then I, you know, and, and I know, so like, and it makes sense why the Raiders are kind of trying to get all the stench out uh, of Gruden. Um, cause I know my brother wanted to keep Mayock. I don't remember if my dad wanted to keep him as well. I know my brother wanted Mayock to say, he wasn't shocked when he got fired, but um, yeah, unfortunately, you know, um, you know, unfortunately, yeah, it kind of, you know, for the Raiders, yeah, they're probably going to go into rebuild mode you know, after they, what they did this year, you know, led by their car to get them somehow the playoffs was unbelievable. But, but yeah, again, the Raiders look like they're going to enter another rebuild, which it just, unfortunately for them, it's every three, four years, they just, they just have to keep re resetting things and, unfortunate yeah exactly 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 we thought we thought we saw the Raiders you know making some strides this year with Derek Carr but I think I feel like they're going to go into rebuild so you know it should be interesting to see what the NFL with the, the games this week with the NFL and what the news is going to be you know next week we'll probably be talking about coaches being hired because I feel like there's going to be by, by the time before our show, before our show next week I feel like there's going to be coaches that are going to be hired but we got a major injury in the NBA Kevin Durant's going to miss uh, at least a month but before we talk about that we got a promo from Clovercrest Media Apps can do a lot of cool things. You could order dinner, gamble on your favorite team, and track your health. You could even get a mortgage. One click and you can be approved. I'm not sure by who or what country they're in. You deserve more from the mortgage industry. At AnyMac Home Mortgage, we believe in the need for live human interaction during a very complex process. The kind of service and guidance which an app simply can't provide. Our customers are more than credit scores and income documents. They're individuals and families who live in and strengthen our communities. Their story is our story, and that story begins in a home. Chris Sawyer is an expert on providing superior customer service and in meeting the mortgage needs of current and future home buyers. With over 18 years of experience in the industry, Chris is able to help customers migrate through the home buying and home financing process by using his wealth of knowledge as a well-qualified mortgage professional. And best of all, Chris is located in Cromwell, Connecticut, where he has helped hundreds of clients in Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island make their dreams of home ownership a reality. 
visit chrissawyer.annie-mac.com. Email them at csawyer at annie-mac.com or give them a call, 860-878-8730. Attention all basketball fans, CMG Sports presents the Posting Up Podcast, where Lucas Boldick, Sean Scanlon, and King Zay discuss the latest news and topics throughout the NBA. So, if you have a love for basketball, make sure you check out the Posting Up Podcast, live every Tuesday and Saturday on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Also available for download on every podcast platform. So on Saturday night, the Nets lost Kevin Durant for the season with a no lost Kevin Durant for for uh, four to six weeks with a sprained MCL. He's going to be out for at least a month. And uh, the big question here is going to be obviously with Kyrie Irving only playing in road games, are the Nets going to be able to get the number one seed? Is this going to cost the Nets getting the number one seed? And I honestly feel like it's not because I, I I feel like personally I just don't trust a team in the Eastern Conference to take over that number one seed. Milwaukee hasn't been great this year. Chicago, we know they're a fraud. They've looked like a fraud last week, getting beat by the Warriors, getting beat by the Grizzlies, getting beat by the Nets, handedly. I feel like Chicago's a fraud. And Miami, they haven't been healthy either. So I honestly think the Nets, even without Kevin Durant, because half the game they're still going to have Kyrie and Harden. So even without Durant, I mean, for the and they're only going to have them out for – they're probably, they're probably going to get them back by probably, you know, late February, early March. I think, I think the Nets still get the number one seed. Yeah, I could, I could totally see it, you know, because I, because they've only played uh, twenty road games and they played uh, like 30, 23 or twenty three home games, so they've been much better on the road than at home. So yeah, like they, they, you know, Kyrie's gonna play still, you know, twenty two games they have left on the road. So yeah, I could totally see it, you know. Yeah, the Bulls in the last week have not looked great, you know. I know the Cavs, like I know the Cavs, they've already kind of been through the tough part of their schedule, but yeah, can they keep it up? Shouldn't the next try to drop? To the sixty, so Kyrie could play four games instead of three. Uh, you don't, you don't, you don't really think, want. To, I don't think you want to do that. It's you, risky. You, it's risky. Yeah, you don't want to be playing on the road. You don't. You don't want to play on the road. And I'm telling you, in some of these playoff games, I'm telling you that Harden and Durant are good enough. Harden and Durant are good enough. Honestly, without Kyrie, I still think they're good enough to win the Eastern Conference. I'm sorry. I mean, who? Which other team? Miami, uh, Milwaukee, or uh, or uh, Milwaukee, Miami, Milwaukee, yeah. or. Uh, Chicago has two superstars like James Harden and Kevin Durant. They don't. And the reason why, you know, the Nets did not beat the Bucs last year was not because they didn't have Kyrie Irving. It's because James Harden wasn't healthy. That's why they didn't beat the Bucs last year. So I, I don't think they should drop. I think, I think honestly, to get to, to get to the NBA Finals, I think KD and Harden are enough. And, and having Kyrie play the road games, which are – especially at home. I think Harden and KD – a healthy Harden and Harden and KD at home are going to be enough, and then Kyrie playing the road games. I think it's. I, I, I think the. I think. I think they're going to be fine. Yeah, they should be able to, and then they should be getting um Joe Harris back, who's a who's a nice player too. That again, any. I know he's a very streaky shooter, but he's a guy too that could put up thirty for you one night. Um, and he's supposed to come back this weekend or next weekend. So like, you know, Joe Harris coming back too could it's going to help as well, kind of be that third guy when they don't have um Kyrie Irving. Uh, you know, if it's a home game. Or, you know, even now with Kevin Durant being out. So, yeah, it's, you know, I mean, the Nets have been a much better team on the road than at home for whatever reason. But, yeah, when you get a playoff basketball, it's probably better. It's probably the safer bet to play at home because, yeah, they are good enough. And it's, 
you know, like DeMar DeRozan's having an unbelievable season, but it's like, can he really keep it up for an 82 game pace? I don't really know. I think, you know, you're I seeing see how fraudulent first. that Bulls team is. You're seeing how fraudulent yeah. that Bulls team is this week. That team is totally fraudulent. They will not, they will not get out of the second. If, if the Heat, the Bucks, and the Nets are, are healthy, there is no way that team gets out of the second round of the playoffs. DeMar, we've seen this with DeMar DeRozan for years. DeMar DeRozan is a very good player. His lack of three-point shooting is what is what costs is what costs him, and it's going to cost him again. And it's why the Bulls will be lucky to maybe win one playoff series at at best. One playoff series at best. Total fraudulent team. Of course, I think the Bulls are frauds. Ryan Pride, come on. Even watch. Honestly, the last four four games should should prove enough. Getting crushed to the Nets. Getting crushed to the Warriors. Getting getting crushed by the Grizzlies. Getting crushed. Getting, those three games should be enough to tell you the Bulls are total total frauds. They are total frauds. They're not. They're not getting to the conference finals. Yes, they're building something in Chicago. I'm getting it. They're a little bit ahead of schedule with the record they have. That team ain't making a deep playoff run. I guarantee you that. No, I'm with you. I, I don't think they are either. I'm like. Their schedule was not difficult so far. Like, I, you know, going through it, like it really had, like, I don't think they've played like the really tough part of it yet. Their division's not great. I know the Cavs have been having a really good year as well. Uh, but uh, yeah, the, the, the Rose in the issue there, yeah, the three point shooting. Alonzo's been hurt. I know Levine's hurt now too. Like, yeah, like they got blown out. It, again, they gave, I know the Warriors are a good team, but you can't give up 140 in a game. You know, you lose a Celtic to it's a team. The Celtics that's can't close out a close game so far this year. Oh, I know. They, yeah, and that's another. They did team. They were guys, up like so. a couple, week, couple weeks ago. They were like twenty on the Knicks, and they couldn't win the game. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. See, lose you lose to the Celtics. Come on now, come on. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. And then you now the Grizzlies. I know I've had a good year too, but yeah, you got you, you know you lose there as well. Like yeah, they, the last week had not been good. My Celtics are down. Oh, your Celtics are sure <laughs> are down. They they gotta get they they they, they, they gotta get. The pro, no, they don't miss Kemba. I feel like they just they're, they're one of their two best players can't. They're both good individually, but they can't make anybody else around them better. That's the problem. They're both not clearly not top ten yeah, players. Yeah, Tatum no, clear, yeah. Tatum's good, but he's clearly not top ten. But neither is Jalen Brown. They don't make guys around them better. That's the problem. That's the problem with the Celtics. Yeah, you know the, the superstars do that. Just you know the Giannis do that. You know, you know all, all the stories you want to go through. Do that, you know, the Kyrie's, the Hardens, the Durant. Yeah, they make everybody else around them better. The Celtics, yeah, have not done that. They can't close out a closed game. Um, you know, like it just, you know, they, they got to shake up that core. You know, the Celtics, whenever this offseason or towards the trade deadline here, because yeah, it, it's been a down year for, for Boston. They're they have not been great either. That I did see that like the end of the or I saw the Knicks were down by like 20 and I turned it back on a couple weeks ago and I was like. Shocked that it was a tie game, but I guess I shouldn't have because the Celtics have not closed out anybody all year. It's it, it's crazy, but yeah, you know, Celtics are having another rough year. Um, going, yeah, going back then, that's I, they should be able to. Uh, great, we haven't even been good. It's yeah, been yeah, a while. yeah, I, I know, I know, I know. It's, it's been perfect. the last two years with the Celtics. I mean, I feel like they, they, they I mean, I felt like keep, keeping Brad Stevens in the building. I thought what they should have done was. Keep Danny Ainge and get rid of Brad Stevens, and I felt like Ainge maybe would have hired, maybe would have hired a better coach because I'm not confident with that coach either. I think I think that's the problem with the Celtics. I feel like they really don't have much much of a direction. I think they're as I said before the season, they're a team going sideways. They're not a team going. They're not a team going forward. They're not a good team. They're not a team that's going in the right direction. Yeah, like the, I know they traded. They just got bull bull last night. It's like what is oh, that please, really? Please, please, the guy with upside. Please, please, please. Yeah. 
he hasn't been healthy. That's been his issue since Oregon. He's not been healthy. He's got um, you know, legs, foot issues or whatever. You know, like that's been his problem. I, you know, I think he could be a talented player, but yeah, he just can never stay healthy on the floor. Um, yeah, yeah, like the Celtics, it's weird, like what you know. Because I think they should, you know, shake up that core and, and try to figure something out. Because they've had smart for a while, really hasn't worked. Obviously, Tatum Brown's been there for a few years. Like, it's time to maybe ship one of them out and try to, you know, go into sort of a rebuild here with the Celtics. But you know, I, you know, I don't know if the Celtic fans want that, or I don't know if the front office wants it. Yeah, bringing back Brad Stevens, moving all upstairs was, was very interesting. Rule, uh, yeah, I know. Because Danny has been doing a pretty good job so far at Utah, it seems like. But, you know, um, yeah, it was a, it's been a very interesting for the Celtics. It's just, yeah, team over 500. It's been, that's what they've been all year. Just five, you know, right around that 500 mark all year. They haven't really been below that or, or you know, gotten like four or five games over 500. It's just been a very mediocre team. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Going back to the Nets, though, I just feel like, yeah, I feel like this is a team that I don't just don't trust anyone on top of the East. There's no, I feel like there's no, there's no, like, there's no Suns or Warriors on top of the East, two teams that you could trust. I just don't trust anyone on, 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 on top to be able to, you know, get that number, to get that number one seed. So that's why I feel like the Nets are getting the number one seed. Yeah, absolutely. I can totally see it. I, with the Heat, like, I trust the Heat. I know their roster is not like the best in the world, and the Nets do have a better roster. You do have um, Al Depot coming back next week, I believe. Like, again, that, that could be a huge kind of, uh, addition there for Miami to kind of get them over and keep them there at the one. But yeah, that's like the only team. Yeah. I don't believe in the Cavs either. I don't believe in the bulls, you know, the Bucks. like I can see the bucks going on a, on a streak just because they are good enough, but uh, fair to say the NBA finals winner will be whoever comes out of the West. Absolutely. Unless yeah, if it's the Nets. Unless, if it's the Nets. I, unless it's the Nets, unless it's the Nets. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like the Nets, could could definitely beat the Warriors or the or, or the or the Suns. I feel like the Warriors are the favorite once they get everything together. If Clay once Clay and Steph start getting the chemistry back and uh, once everything comes together, I feel like the Warriors are going to be the favorite. But I do think if the Nets come out of there, uh, I do think that I do think that the Nets have a very very good chance to beat the Warriors. I think the Warriors and the Nets are the two best teams. I'd probably say this. I'd probably say right now the Suns. The Suns. It's tough between the Bucks and Suns because the Bucks beat them last year, but I just feel like the Suns are playing a little bit better this year. So I'd probably say that the the Suns are uh, are third. But yeah, I I I think that unless it's the Nets, I think the Finals winner will co- will come out of the West. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Because the Nets. The Nets have the most talent, you know, in the NBA. They really do with those big, with the big three there. Again, the Warriors have a lot of talent too. And who knows by June too? Like by you know June or July, like hopefully, like you know, COVID kind of, you know, this this new variant is kind of gone, and maybe like the restrictions are gone of Kyrie having to be vaccinated at home. You know, maybe by June, that's like six months, you know, five six months away. Like maybe you know, it's different, and you got Kyrie for seven games. I absolutely think the Nets, you know, um, could be anybody in the Western Conference. It's, again, it's the Lakers. I don't – the Lakers aren't a contender. The Suns, yeah, the Suns and Warriors are the two teams that you, you got to worry about the most. Those two, you know, could give them – you know, I'll give Jason's Jazz two there. Some crap. I think, you know, the Jazz – but I, I think the Nets are still a better team than the Jazz. But, um, yeah, I, I think besides the Nets coming out of the East, maybe the Bucks I could see going on a roll and getting out of there. But, yeah, like I don't – I, I still think I'd still probably take the Warriors and Suns 
over over Milwaukee. I think they had more overall talent than the Bucks do. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, the other question is, is just it, how is this going to impact the MVP? How is it going to impact Durant's chance to win the MVP? I think it does. I think right now, if the Warriors end up with the best record in the Western Conference, I think Steph Curry gets the MVP. Yeah, I, I think it, it, it's good to be Curry because the last time um, MVPs won after missing 11 or more games with Bill Walton back in 76, 77. So, yeah, I, I think it's got it's going to probably be Steph Curry if they stay healthy, you know, and they get that one seed in the Western Conference. I could absolutely see it being um, Steph Curry getting another MVP award. Um, I do think this pretty much takes um, Durant out of that that um, MVP chase. And what uh, Steph's crazy shooting slump. He's gone through it a couple times. It feels like his career. I, I, yeah. I, I think Steph's too good of a shooter to like be in this role too long. Like, I think you know another game or two, and I think he snaps out of it. He's just too good of a shooter. To, yeah. Have that and, prolonged and, 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 and his team's playing great. He's 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 he makes his teammates better around him. I think I think I think if, if they end up with the best record in the West, it's going to be Steph Curry. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm with you. I think it will. Um, I think he'll be fine. You know, yeah, yeah. Because um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be him as too. Because I, I I expect him. Because you're right. He makes everybody else better. You know, Clay Thompson coming back is going to be. He's it's been a great. You know, Andrew Wiggins been playing really well. Like, yeah, he makes everybody else around him. Again, that team to just even make the play-in round last year was pretty impressive. He, to just, you know, uh, just just by pretty much himself. Because, you know, Wiseman was out most of the year, one of their picks. Like, it was pretty much him carrying that team on his back in a Western Conference that it, it's pretty tough to, like, you know, um, I know it's a little bit down this year, but, like, last year, too, like, there's a lot of talented teams. And for them just to get there, I think it shows a lot about Curry and how he can really carry team on his back and make everybody else – better around them. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So we're going to wrap up talking some some college basketball. We'll obviously start with UConn. Uh, got a win last night. Justin was there, 76 to 59 over Butler. Uh, obviously, RJ called a nice night. You had that crazy three-point shot. Uh, Sanago was mm. good in the second half. Andrew Jackson had a good game uh, for UConn. They got uh, Hawkins and Polly to uh, contribute off the bench, too. And uh, this was a good win, a win they were supposed to have, though. I think Butler – is a bottom three team in the in the Big East with the Paul and with Georgetown. I think this was a win they were expected to get, and uh, I, I think tomorrow. I think tomorrow in tomorrow's game, I think they. I think they. Uh, I think they win. I don't think it's as close because that Hinkle Fieldhouse, but I still think they win by double digits tomorrow against Butler. Yeah, they should. They they should. Last night was good. Um, I liked how they pressed Butler. It sped them up, you know, that because it was pretty slow there to really begin that game. And I thought the press really got it going. Um, sped up the Bulldogs there because the Bulldogs don't really have a great guard or you know ball handler. They, they don't have a great distributor. You know they're just yeah. The Butler's not a very good team. Um, Lavelle Jordan's probably going to lose his job at the end of the year. I cannot see him coming back next year. Um, but yeah, it's a weird like home and home kind of NBA kind of schedule thing here with COVID and all that. But yeah, they should win by double digits. Butler's a team that just they return ninety five percent of the scoring and they still just have not gotten better. They can't hit a free throw as well. Yeah, they um, score, turn ninety five percent of their scoring, and nobody averages more than ten points. No, no, like it, it, it's like yeah, it's like they have seven guys that average like nine to like six, seven points. Like, but yeah, they don't have that one guy that can kind of take over a, a game, and that's kind of been the problem. Is they have a couple of okay pieces, but yeah, in the Big East, they're just they're just not good enough to kind of do enough because they can't score. Their defense is okay, but they can't rebound. They don't have a ton of size either. 
you kind of saw Sonago um, be able to really kind of get after him on the glass and, you know, um, but yeah, Butler's probably right there with Georgetown as probably the worst team. I think DePaul's probably a little bit better than both of them, but they're they're right there. Yeah, they're they're bad. They just have not fit the biggest footprint the last few years. But yeah, they should go on the road go double digits. Like you know, you got Georgetown at home next Tuesday, then you got DePaul next Saturday, um, and then you got Creighton February first at home. Like you should really be going to Villanova like sixteen and four, going to Nova on February the fifth, going to Wells Fargo Center. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, you made a good point. The schedule is very soft. This is a really good chance to take advantage, and, and, and you know, this is a good ch- chance to get to like you know maybe even get to like seven and two in the Big East. You know, because you should beat Butler. You should obviously beat Georgetown at home at Gamble. Oh, you yeah. should beat DePaul, and then you should beat Creighton at home. So this is a very good chance to get to seven and two before that huge, huge game at Wells. As you said, a huge game at Wells Fargo against Villanova. Yeah, absolutely. Because, yeah, you know, and who knows, by then maybe you're sitting in the top 15 and everything goes right. You know, you're sitting there having a chance maybe to, you know, go into that. I think it's like the next week or the 12th or the 23rd where they kind of unleash like the 16 top 16 teams of like the or the top four seeds in the tournament. And, you know, maybe you kind of sit in there with a chance of being one of those four, you know, in the four spot, the four seed spot. So, yeah, you know, it it, they really should because Georgetown, they're just – Again, like I don't think they could fire Ewing, but hopefully they part ways because they really need to change there. They they're they're so bad. Um the Paul on the road you should be. I Troy Sutterfield's not a very good in-game coach. They almost they tried to blow a 20-point lead with five minutes left last week in Seton Hall. They're not good. Crane's had seven freshmen. McDermott's doing a really good job. They're starting to get better. But yeah, at home, you gotta win that game at the XL Center. That's gotta be a win. They should. They really should. Um, you know, like they, they really should blow out some of these teams in next incoming, you know, Korean game. I expect to be close, but yeah, Georgetown, you should blow out. You should blow up Butler tomorrow night. You should blow out the Paul next Saturday night. Like, they, yeah, you, they should not really have any kind of, um, you know, like kind of anxiety attacks here towards the end of the game. Like they, like they've had lately here. Um, you know, they, they should be able to kind of pull away here and yeah, looking, yeah, seven and two. Still having a chance there to compete for the regular season title. I don't think they're going to get it, but you're still right there. If you somehow steal a game at Villanova, you're still sitting there pretty, hopefully. trying Because they 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 should be the number two seed going to the Big East. They really should. I think they are the same best team in the Big East. So they, they should be sitting there for that two spot. And, you know, the only way to do it is to win these next four coming up. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this team, yeah. I mean, this team should definitely – you know, should should definitely be I think a top two, top three team in the Big East. Obviously, they got that game with Xavier on that Friday night, that makeup game. That's going to be a tough one. They got to go to St. John's and and they do play Seton Hall again, and they got Villanova at home. So, but if they like split with a Vill- split with Villanova, get revenge against Seton Hall, even if they lose that Xavier game, I still think they got a good shot to get the number two seed. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you got to get you get get the splitting problem. You know, Sats this. You know, I would Xavier. They did one last year. But that's a tough place to play. Now they'll have fans this year. But yeah, like again, if you could try to get a steal, like a take two against Xavier is going to be huge. Obviously, got to be yeah, Marquette at home. Yeah, if you can get Nova at home is going to be great. It would be huge. Getting two at Korea and like you know, you know, like if they they could probably lose like one of like an Xavier or Creighton on the road, be okay. You know, try Nova's going to be a loss on the road. Like it because. I think Nova's probably going to have three losses, and I think probably second place is probably going to have around five, six losses. You know, probably them, Georgetown, or them, Providence, and Xavier is going to be right there. 
Yeah, they should. As long as things stay healthy, as long as, you know, nothing, you know, the injury bug kind of stays away, they definitely should. You got, you know, I expect them to be seen all at home. That's a gameful game. Again, Nova at home is going to be very difficult, but it's a game you could win. Like that three-game home stretch in mid-February, Seton Hall, Xavier, Villanova, is huge. Like if they can go 3-0, because those are arguably, you know, three of the top four or five teams in the Big East right there that you, you got at home those, that week. You can go 3-0 there, you know. You'd be peaking at that point. You're looking really, really good um, heading court town, you know, heading towards like the, the you know, stretch run of the year. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So we'll wrap up talking about a top 15 matchup in the SEC. You got Kentucky going to Auburn this week. And uh, what does Kentucky have to do to win this game? To pull the funny, we're saying pull an upset, pull an upset at Auburn. They got to continue. Ty Ty Washington's got to continue to be, you know, magnificent like he like he has the last since pretty much our SEC play. He's averaged 16 points a game at six and a half assists a game. He had 17 points, 17 assists a few weeks ago in Georgia. He's been shooting the ball a lot better. He's been a good facilitator in this offense. Um, and with his shooting ability, he's gotten Kellen Grady open shots, you know, and Wheeler, like, you know, Kellen Grady starting to go into Davis and the transfer has been playing better. So they need to continue Ty Ty Washington to play, play well and kind of continue to be good facilitator this offense. And then, you know, obviously Asher Shibway, Um, he's been a beast on the post. It's going to be a fun matchup down low between him and um, you know Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler down low, you know they they you know Kentucky's going to need Ty Ty Washington continue to hit shots, um, get you know find guys open, and uh, because Saturday they shot in the first half they're twenty two for twenty eight in the first half at Center City they shot seventy eight percent which was the highest since nineteen eighty five that George uh, Villanova shot seventy five percent in the first half against um, Georgetown in the national championship game. Oh wow wow wow. So what does Auburn got to do to win the game? Auburn, it's Walker Keesler. I don't know how this kid did not play North Carolina next last year. Um, he only put eight minutes a game. He's averaging four blocks a game. He's been really good down low. He's got to protect their running against Oxford Sheboy, who's probably the best rebound in the country. The guy wants to average 20 rebounds a game in Sheboy. He had 26 a couple of weeks ago at somebody. Um, he's been really impressive. They need Kessler uh, to keep playing well. Jabari Smith, who arguably – could be the top pick in the NBA draft. He's been unbelievable. He can pretty much do it all. Um, and then Wendell Green coming off the bench. The guy averaged um, 13 points off the bench at the point guard spot. He's hit some big – he hit a couple deep shots against UConn. He's been doing that all year. Um, he's kind of been that spark plug off the bench. He's going to continue um, to – he's got to knock down a couple shots as well for Auburn to win this game because it seems like Kentucky's starting to shoot the ball a little bit better than they have lately, so – um, could be a shootout, and they're going to need um, they're they're going to need Wendell Green to knock down some shots to win this game. Should be interesting. Should be a great game on Saturday night, Saturday afternoon. But that's going to wrap it up on Sports Talk with R and J for for uh, for Chase Garcia did a great job for Justin Nafrio. I'm Steve Risser. We'll be back next week talking about the conference championship games, uh, UConn basketball, and whatever NBA news comes our way. Have a great weekend, everyone. Jones on first down, wide open, it's Barkley, and Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone. Your best ability is his availability. Saquon Barkley, he's great when he's on the field, but the problem is since 2018, he hasn't been healthy for this team. Look at this, they lob it to me, taps it in off the glass. Porter Moser, I think right now is the best coach of college basketball, hands down. Two for three, he's done his part. 
pitch is drilled to deep right field toward the poles, and it is gone. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball, because the Yankees are not. They're even close to the best organization in baseball. They're trying to be the Rays, and the Rays do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees. Well, my name is Joe McGuire. I'm the president of Clovercrest Media Group. And here at CMG, we have a wide variety of podcasts, including sports shows like Keys to the City, The Roll Call, Throwing Jabs, All Four Downs, and Jawing About the G-Man. And great true crime shows like Sticky Meat, Crimes and Consequences, Ivy League Murders, and Burn, The Unsolved Murder of David Eichmann. You can find all these podcasts and so much more by visiting clovercrestmedia.com.